Do you believe in alternate universes? You are listening to Delayed Replay. The Improvised Movie Review Podcast. Wink. Everything is fine here. We're all fine. Just sit tight and listen to them talk about the movies they definitely saw. Don't delay. Don't delay. We have to listen right away. Previously on Delayed Replay. I'm not going to insert audio clips. I'm just going to tell you what happened. Uh, So story goes, I start a podcast, you know, Delayed Replay, it's what you're listening to right now. The idea is to review movies, uh, some of them as they come out, some weeks or months after they come out. Uh, You know, just an ordinary podcast, inviting guests. And then weird stuff happens that I keep forgetting. So there are these interdimensional beings known as the can of worms and their master and apparently they'd been interfering with these episodes like adding stuff to like the intro or to the end and also messing with my mind and whenever I did catch their scent I would forget about them like they'd wipe themselves from my mind but uh, you know, they do crazy stuff. Uh, there was that one time that they mind-controlled me into putting myself and Andres into a room together uh, for, like, the Escape Room 2 and Spiral episodes. And then they try to apparently create, like, a cerebral amusement park in my head and are able to change me so that I'm turned into a vampire. Thankfully, I was able to resist the temptations. You know, my dog Elias was keeping me company and reminding me to not give in. But I was, like, on the verge of, like, like, I thought it was going to be over. And then on Halloween, I got a knock on my door. And who is it but myself from another universe where apparently there's like some virus and people wear masks in the earth of that universe for that reason and like because of all that like there are lots of movies and whatnot that got delayed and and you know like stuff I've reviewed on my podcast I mean I, I talked with the me from that world and about some differences and similarities apparently Mulan the live action remake came out on Disney plus for like an extra $30 fee over there and from what I've heard it's different from like the one we have in my universe so you know just weird stuff like that but anyway so there I was I was feeling very ill and the me from that other universe uh, tried to, like, nurse me back to my normal form. Like, I feel much better now, you know. He helped me. We listened to some prog rock and did some self-reflection and also some, like, science stuff. Like, he got 
some of his blood and use that to like help me. Like he brought some like scientific equipment with him, which uh, I, I guess I'm like burying the intro under this like super long recap. Um, so anyway, here is my guest for this episode. It is Steven Schinder from another universe. Uh, hey, how's it going? Pretty weird, if I'm being honest. Um, I, I can kind of tell this is already going to be a train wreck. Oh no, yeah, this is going to be hot garbage, I can tell. Alright, so then, we are in agreement. That's good. We're off to a great start. And um, I guess you just have to keep wearing that mask to be safe, even though you're in a different universe, right? Well, I mean, you know, very safe and sorry, and of course, you know, you have that vampire thing, and uh, to be quite frank, I'm not sure if we've completely eradicated it from your system, so, like, I, I don't know if, like, breathing in the air around you would have me accidentally get infected, like, I don't know how that works, so uh, I'm just being extra cautious, you know? And, and, just looking out for you, bud. I never thought I'd see the day when I would be calling myself bud. Well, I mean, at least you're seeing, right? Like, you, you're able to see yourself, and, and not just me, like your actual reflection. Like, you're doing much better. Oh yeah, definitely. It was a huge relief when I was finally able to see my reflection again. Like, that's a good sign that, like, I feel like the vampirism should be gone but I still have this feeling like like I don't know how to describe it it's not like I don't have cravings anymore but it's like this question of like is there something still there yeah I'm just gonna keep the mask on just in case all right that's carnival that's fair I should also mention that like today is both of our birthdays. So, happy birthday, Stephen. Well, thanks. Happy birthday to you too, Stephen. Uh, this is so f***ing weird. I'm like cringing right now. <laughs> I mean, if you can't cringe on a podcast, like where else can you cringe? Am I right? That sounded funnier in my head, but like, I don't know if that quite went. Um, it did not, but I guess we should mention what movie we're talking about. We're kind of beating around the bush. Mar right, right. So we're talking about... Oh, sorry. I interrupted you, didn't I? Uh, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I've heard you do this thing. I mean, you know, uh, I've been on podcasts before in my world. Um, so it's, I'm no stranger to the concept. Yeah, so for those of you wondering about the podcast that uh, the other me may have guested on in that other universe uh, where, you know, delays and whatnot happened, apparently he had the same guest spots on stuff like IPC and Trust Your Doctor, but it's just there are, like, slight differences here and there, or at least some of the same topics on those episodes, I think. I don't know. It's, it's all tough to keep track of for me. 
Yeah, I mean, different universes, it's weird. And I honestly won't be surprised if there's a universe out there where the delays did happen, but also this podcast exists, but as a fictional podcast for like another version of us to do to like fill the void, I guess. That actually sounds really sad. I know, like, as I was saying it, I was like, oh, oh man, I kind of wish I hadn't, like, completed that thought. You know, I, I gotta say, you, you know, we're, I know I'm, like, sidetracking us, but we, we go on tangents on this podcast already, so the listeners are used to this, but I am, it's very difficult for me to wrap my head around the fact that you, like, without a podcast and, you know, so these other things to entertain you like you actually manage to apply yourself and do all these sciencey things to make it into this universe and be able to help heal me like it's and i don't know it's weird because i don't really see myself as like a sciencey person and it's like you know well to be fair it wasn't just me you know I, I had help like I, I just had the I you know I was listening to your podcast which would somehow make it into our universe and I like, talked to some people about it and like like I got a lot of help and you know some of them have been to college some haven't which just goes to show that it doesn't always matter like whether or not you go to like a quote-unquote higher form of education or not it's like either way you can do your part and make a difference you know yeah so yeah I, i'd help it's just that um the others weren't were kind of afraid to cross over here and you know because of the virus and everything we just we just want to be safe and not send more than one person and they figured that i'd be a safe bet you know being the one to meet up with you and these people are like scientists, friends, like who are they? Uh, yeah, I talked to some friends and they talked to their friends and then, you know, but sooner or later we were able to come up with something. But yeah, it, I feel like it'd be too much to explain on this episode and I'm like worried of like not telling it the best way. So, you know, yeah, yeah, fair, fair. Uh, but yeah, the movie, well, well, I guess you can introduce it. Like, I just remembered I, and like, you were about to, so just go ahead. Oh, cool, thanks. Um, so the movie that we are talking about, which actually came out, um, like, right for our birthday is, well, at least in this universe where things don't get the way, it is Marvel's Eternals. So yeah, it's the um, in this universe the latest um, Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. And uh, again, th thanks again, Stephen, for letting me use your Disney Plus account to watch the Black Widow movie of this universe, which I highly doubt is how Black Widow will play out in my universe. But it was still fun to see, especially after hearing how you and Nathan recalled what happened in the movie it was just like too weird to be true and then to like actually see it is 
it was a wild experience. Oh yeah, for sure. No problem. Like it was really priceless seeing your reactions. Like even though you had that mask covering your mouth, I could tell like when, when your like jaw would drop and you'd be like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, in our universe, um, Saul is coming to Disney Plus on Christmas Day, apparently. So I'm excited about that. I'm actually hoping it's like as good as like how it sounds from the way you and Jake described it. Uh, but yeah, in my world, uh, Eternals got delayed, I think maybe even twice. So now it's like supposed to come out November 5th, 2021. Oh wow, a whole year. So so like okay, so in your universe, has there been no MCU movie since Spider-Man Far From Home? Yep, that is correct. Uh Black Widow and everything after it has had to be pushed back and like uh as far as the MCU shows go, um I think Falcon and the Winter Soldier was supposed to come out by now. And of course, I was able to catch up on that. But once again, thanks to you and Disney Plus. But um, yeah, so far, no MCU Disney Plus stuff out yet. Although I think WandaVision is supposed to come out like, like it's supposed to premiere before the end of the year. And then. Falcon and Winter Soldier got um, switched to, like, come out after that show rather than the other way around. Right, right, right. And, I mean, Fargo Season 4 actually had to be pushed back. Oh, wow. They had to forego Fargo? Yeah, they did. Um, <laughs> that's funny. Because uh, it's Season 4, I, I, I feel like maybe they should have called it or go. <laughs> uh, is is this really what I sound like? I mean, I, I know I listen to myself when I edit the episodes. It's like actually seeing another version of myself say these things is something else. Like even with the mask on, I know you're like grinning under there with like the puns and whatnot. Right, because that's your whole thing, and do you know that you grin and do that? Yeah, yeah, guilty, guilty. And I know we already talked about this off the air, but for the audiences so that they know, um, I have not read any Eternals. Um, have you ever read Eternals? No, I haven't. This is like the first blind spot for me in the MCU since Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, pretty much all the other heroes or titles, like, I knew about because of, like, some of the cartoons and, you know, Marvel Ultimate Alliance, that video game from back in the day. Oh, that was so good. Such a great game. <laughs> yeah, that was my gateway into the larger Marvel universe or multiverse or whatever you want to call it, because before then, the only Marvel thing I was into was the live-action Spider-Man movies that Sam Raimi did. But 
then that game showed me it's like whoa all these heroes exist in the same world and then my brother told me the difference between like marvel and dc and it's like i had to like learn more about these two different franchises you know oh yeah that's pretty much the same thing that happened with me like it's interesting to think about how lots of the same things happened to us in the past and it's just like this year or like a huge chunk of it is like where the divergence happened um and speaking of which there are uh divergence or no they're not called divergence they're called deviants they're called deviants <laughs> in this movie in, in eternals right right and um yeah so like this was another thing i was not familiar with but i knew that like you know kevin feige and company do their homework so it's probably like at least somewhat faithful to the source material of course they have to change things here and there because you know it's a movie but you know like like these people know their stuff can you like imagine if they just knew next to nothing about eternals and just like skimmed some facts and just like worked off of that rather than just like do a deep dive on them and make a film off of that yeah i mean that's happened with a bunch of movies in the past and i feel like marvel studios has a pretty good handle on how to do these things especially when it comes to properties that aren't quite as mainstream and it's just uh, i love that we live in this age where these more obscure things are becoming more readily available for the audience uh to digest and it's like you know phase four of this whole mcu thing is going a bit deeper you know like this coming year in my universe we're getting shang chi and the legend of the ten rings and it's like i know pretty much nothing about shang chi but i'm super excited at how they are like delving into all these things that are newer to me you know yeah they found a good balance and like granted they probably could have gotten to some of these uh, properties like much earlier but it's it's great that like we're getting them or i mean i i guess you're getting them uh we'll hopefully get them eventually see how things turn out right right yeah so they're called eternals because they were created by the celestials and they have comet comic energy cosmic energy <laughs> that lets them um pretty much live forever like we we're told at the beginning of this movie that they are seven thousand years old or something like that yeah we are told in that narration by ron howard it's really weird choice for a narrator oh yeah i was very much thinking of arrested development when i was listening to that but yeah, like, we got the shots of space and, like, this montage of these characters throughout history. Um, should, should we go through the names of the characters? Uh, yeah, and, you know, I apologize in advance if I mispronounce any of them, because I, f I feel like 
if there's something this movie didn't do enough of, it's saying their names aloud enough times so that we'd be used to, like, the pronunciation. Like, I'm still trying to get used to them, but I'll try not to butcher this. Um, so we have Thena, who is played by Angelina Jolie. And, you know, in this montage, we see her in ancient Greece and how she can, like, emit cosmic energy, but she can't, like, do it in front of, like, the normal people. Right. The normies. <laughs> yeah, normies. Um, and we also have Icarus, who's played by Richard Madden. Uh, we see him in Siberia, and, you know, he can regenerate, levitate, fly. Uh, so, so these, so, like, these Eternals have some powers in common, but there are, like, differences here and there. Oh, yeah, I mean, Icarus has to fly, you know? Uh, but he can also read thoughts, like, I think on a surface level, if I remember correctly, because, like, he... Uh, there's that moment later on where he's trying to read someone's thoughts, and it's just, like, the very superficial on the surface type of thought, like, you know, like, I'm hungry, but doesn't specify, like, what they're hungry for. Yeah, I guess they had to, um, make Icarus not too OP, but, you know, overpowered, but he, he can create illusions to disguise himself. Uh, oh yeah, definitely. And he can teleport himself, uh, psionically, but prefers not to because it, like, hurts a lot. It, it kind of reminds me of The Last Jedi and how, you know, it's, like, the act of force projecting would pretty much kill someone because of all the effort it takes. Right, right. Like, it, the power is, like, too good, you know? So so you gotta set some limitations. Like, I guess it's not as easy for Icarus as it is for someone like Nightcrawler, you know? Yeah, and of course we also have Kingo, who is, uh, oh gosh, how do you pronounce the name of the guy who plays it? Um, I think it's Kamel Nanjiani, I think. Um, I could be wrong. I actually looked up a video of him trying to pr pronounce his name, and I thought to myself, oh, this is gonna be the answer, but it turns out that the video is him struggling to say his own name, and he's like, even I have trouble pronouncing it. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Oh, that, that is pretty funny. Um, but yeah, he's like a, well, I mean, this is like after the montage of like the past and whatnot, but he becomes like a Bollywood star in modern times. Uh, so like he is, he, he knows how to do like samurai, master swordsman type stuff, but like his, cover is that he does Bollywood movies. Yeah, and they're movies that very obviously look like they were inspired by the events of the other MCU movies, which kind of reminded me of that scene from Thor Ragnarok with, uh, what was it, Matt Damon playing Loki? You know, that scene? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was funny. Um, but... Yeah, see, this this is another thing, though, where I feel like they kind of try too hard with the 
MCU connections. Like, I, I guess, like, in this case, of course, there would be movies made about those characters, or not about them, but, like, inspired by them. You know, you get similar characters in these Bollywood movies with similar powers, even if, like, the story is changed somewhat so that it looks, it's more unique. But, you know, in that montage throughout history, we see how, like, these Eternals are, like, on the sidelines. Like, we see that flashback at the beginning of the Thor movie, where it's, like, a thousand years before or something, and the people from Asgard fighting frost giants in Norway, I think it was. And so we see that the Eternals are, like, watching from afar, and then we see that they... um we're watching certain Captain America moments in World War II from afar. Like, we don't get a close-up shot of Chris Evans, but we see, like, the shield, and, like, we know that it's him, and it's, like, there. it, it just feels ham-fisted, like, seeing that they were, like, on the side of all these major events we've seen before. Like, even the event in Sokovia, where, like, I, you know, they saw... It just, it, it feels like that Iron Man 2 thing with Peter Parker. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Like, when, I think it was Tom Holland um, told Kevin Feige, like, that kid that Tony talks to who has an Iron Man mask on, that's totally Peter Parker, right? And it's like, oh, yeah, that could work. But to me, that feels very um, blatant retcon. Like, like, you know, when they were making Iron Man 2, they had no intention of that kid being Peter Parker because they, they would have had to, like, pay Sony or something, right? And it's like, we get no mention of that in the recent Spider-Man movies, so it might as well just be, like, fan fiction or fan theory, I guess. Yeah, it's pretty dumb. But anyway, uh, so yeah, they, they also see Sokovia from afar and, you know, the death of Quicksilver and... Makari, uh, is played by Lauren Ridloff, um, is, you know, a speedster, can go super fast, create cyclones, and, like, seeing the death of that other speedster, you know, Quicksilver, uh, the MCU version, like, it must have, like, made her, like, reflect, and, like, even says later on via sign language, because, you know, Makari is, deaf and it's even played by a deaf performer uh you know lauren Rudolph was on the walking dead oh yeah yeah uh, yeah i recognized her right away but yeah you know, she says in sign language at least he died for a purpose you know in reference to quicksilver or i guess pietro uh, i can't remember if he was ever given the, the quicksilver name yeah and it's kind of weird that the Fast Eternal would be Makari and not Fastos, uh, who's played by Brian Tyree Henry. Yeah, they, they really messed up with the wordplay there. Well, I guess not for the movie, but like in the comics or, I don't know. I mean, I'm not familiar with the comics, but you would think Fastos would be the fast one. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you know, Fastos, um, I keep forgetting to mention that, like, you know, these Eternals, they, they each live in separate 
places at certain points, you know, trying to blend in to, like, normal life. But every once in a while, they meet up with each other to, like, check in on one another. Uh, but anyway, Festos is a very gifted inventor. Um, he even builds Kingo's sword and Icarus's flight harness, which come in real handy later on. Yeah, and I mean, with that whole, like, living forever thing, you know, if we get, like, this really thought-provoking conversation later on, because, you know, Fastos uh, has this husband who's played by, um, I can't remember the husband's name, but he's played by Haas Sleiman. I think that's how it's pronounced. Um, yeah, I don't know how it's pronounced, but yeah, they have this, like, his husband is very much not in the know for a huge chunk of the movie. But once the Eternals are revealed, and it's like secrets come out, like they have this discussion and we see flashbacks of Fastus's prior relationships and like how sad he is to like outlive everyone. And like, this is the first relationship where he ends up being honest and you know, his husband, like, still wants to, like, make it work, and it's it's complicated, because, you know, he's immortal, but the husband isn't. Yeah, yeah, like, like it's really tough on them, uh, like, especially for the husband to wrap his head around it at first, but eventually they decide to just, like, go with it, I guess. Um, like, like, there is some believable drama. The acting is great. Um, well, pretty much all around, like, all these actors are really good. Yeah, I feel like the MCU, or Marvel Studios, really knows how to hire actors who are believable in their performances, and it just helps flesh out this world, you know? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, we also have Salma Hayek as Ajak. Um, apparently in the comics, Ajak is a male, and I think Makari and Sprite are also male in the comics, um, based on like what I read. But, you know, I'm not super familiar with the comics, so I don't like have much of an opinion on like whatever differences to the source material there may be. Yeah, I get what you mean. And I gotta say, it like, after seeing the hitman's wife's bodyguard, you know, Salma Hayek was in that one too, it, it was very refreshing to see her in a much bigger role in this movie and how she is able to communicate with the celestials when they're nearby. And so she kind of becomes like the go-between between them and the other Eternals. And it's like... She has, like, a very substantial amount of screen time. It's like, I can't imagine this movie without her. Like, you can't just... Like, if you cut her out, it would be noticeable, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, they definitely know how to balance all these characters much better than, um, like, some of the X-Men movies did, you know? Like, there's that common criticism of, like, oh, it's just Wolverine and Friends, or it's... Jennifer Lawrence has Mystique and Friends, and while as enjoyable as some of them could be, it, those are valid criticisms, and it still amazes me that Marvel Studios was able to find that balance, which makes me more excited for whenever they 
eventually do get to finally do their take on the X-Men. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting seeing how they handle all that. Uh, and of course we have Sprite, uh, who's played by Leah McHugh. Um, and Sprite is forever young. You mean forever young. I want to be forever young. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that whole song. Um, and yeah, Sprite can also, uh, Sprite is also a soda. <laughs> I was going to say, um, Sprite uh, can channel cosmic radiation into blasts of heat or force. And uh, can also levitate and make others levitate and create illusions. So yeah, some of the same powers that some of the other Eternals have. And then we get Gilgamesh. Uh, he's super strong, I think, physically the strongest out of these Eternals. Yeah, and it also plays into the whole thing about how some of these Eternals were inspiration for some of the stories that people across these thousands of years passed down. Uh, so it's like their powers are sometimes seen here and there, but they don't want to outright confirm what they are. And so they, like, normal civilization in general doesn't get confirmation for a while. And so it's like, did this happen or didn't it happen? And morphs into, like, these tales and whatnot. And I, I, it was interesting how they handled it. Yeah, and uh, Gilgamesh was played by Don Lee. Uh, and then we get Cersei, who's played by uh, Gemma Chan. And Cersei can manipulate objects through telekinesis, also create a force field. Um, and, you know, Cersei is a very talented dancer, and it really shows when as she fights the deviants later on, like she uses like these dance moves, but in a way where it works for combat. And, and I thought that was uh, really cool. And she knows martial arts and different languages and wrestling techniques and has a really good fashion sense. Cause like she, she's into fashion design. Oh yeah. Look, the cosplayers are gonna, well, the cosplayers in your world, I guess, are going to have a lot of fun with the, like, the fashion of Cersei that she displays with all the different things that she wears throughout the movie. Yeah, and we also get Druig, who's played by Barry Kaogan, Kaogan, I don't know, um, who can manipulate matter and energy, uh, including, like, the atoms in his body. And, he can teleport and manipulate gravitons to make himself fly and also also control the minds of others and project energy from his body through his hands and eyes. Um, yeah, so kind of like Cyclops, but cooler, at least power-wise. Yeah, yeah. So, and of course, much later in the movie, we get Dane Whitman, played by Kit Harrington, uh, who has a mystical sword, which is heavily implied to be Excalibur. 
And we even get like a scene where he watches Monty Python and the Holy Grail, the scene with the Black Knight, and that makes him consider like using the Black Knight name. Yeah, that was pretty funny. I, I freaking love Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Except the ending. Oh yeah, the ending was... Like, as a kid, I watched that movie a lot, and I was not happy with the ending, but the rest of it is hilarious. Yeah. So, after the montage through history, uh, we see the events of, like, Infinity War and Endgame, see all that play out, and, like, after Thanos is defeated, the Eternals are like, you know what, maybe it's time that we reveal ourselves. Yeah, they wait until after <laughs> all of that to finally reveal themselves. Like, don't even wait until, like, the first time that there was a snap, you know, when Thanos did a snap wiping out half the universe. Like, the, the MCU is weird because it's like there are all these properties that they wait until later on to incorporate into the universe. And then it's like, well, where were they before? And it's like, they might not be able to explain in the best way possible, which makes me very curious how they'll incorporate the X-Men into this. Yeah, but hey, the, the Eternals have decided to reveal themselves eventually to like help humankind, so like better wait than never, I guess. Yeah, and they do it in kind of a get-the-band-back-together kind of fashion. Like, some of them are like in different locations, so you get like Kingo in Bollywood, but then you have like Icarus working at Domino's Pizza because you know you gotta have advertising in these Marvel movies, I guess. And Ant Man, it was Baskin Robbins, I think. Yeah, and you know you, you got these random people on the side kind of criticizing the Eternals. Like, yeah, they stop crime and whatnot, but they're like, what's taking you? all of you so long to come out and do something like you're all essentially just leftovers compared to all these other heroes that we've had. Yeah. I kind of felt that that was a bit contrived. Like if, like it felt like they were, and by they, I mean the people behind the movie were inserting that as like an artificial obstacle to insert into the movie because i mean we didn't have that problem with some of the other newer heroes that have come into play um within the like last few years of with within the timeline of the mcu yeah but i could also kind of see how it would seem weird from their perspective that you know, half the universe had been wiped out. Like, even then, they still hid themselves, and then it wasn't until after Endgame that they finally um, appeared, like, publicly. And it's like, you know, they weren't even in that final battle, the Battle of Earth, or whatever it's called. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, but I did really like the dynamic between the Eternals, um, it was actually kind of refreshing how they weren't just quipping around like you'd expect from the Guardians of the Galaxy, but it was also good that they weren't as boring as like 
maybe some other characters in Marvel, like oh, like the Inhumans. <laughs> oh man, what man, what they did with the Inhumans, like yeah, that's that was something. <laughs> but anyway, they stop crime. Like they stop this guy who tries robbing a convenience store with a shotgun and they like try not to go too hard on him with their like super OP powers. Oh yeah, because if they use their beams on the guy he'd be dead. <laughs> yeah, so they just like levitated the gun out of his hands and like twisted it in a way where like it would basically be unusable. Yeah, I mean it's not necessarily the most memorable scene, but I guess it kind of moves the plot around. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you get, like, all these news reports about the Eternals, and people are, like, speculating about what they're all about. Um, and then the Eternals um, are kind of caught off guard one night when they hear a sound, but it's just, like, firecrackers. And it's just, like, these new fans of the Eternals doing their own haphazard celebration of them. Yeah, it was kind of like an online event where people were invited to, like, share their love of the Eternals, kind of, like, cosplay as them. Uh, like, light some firecrackers and celebration of them. I, I thought that was really weird, though. Like, it was kind of unnecessary. Yeah, I can agree with that. And for a while, it feels like there's not enough conflict in the movie. But then we get this... This is, like, a beginning of Act 2. So, like, Act 1, like, we're kind of introduced to the Eternals and who they are and how they interact with each other. But uh, it's not until Act 2 that we get introduced to the Deviants. Right, they're kind of like the Eternals, but, it, like, at least in this movie, they look reptilian, and they make a big deal about how they're, like, not as good-looking as the Eternals, like, on the outside, and how it's, like, unfair that they were given such beauty and, like, the powers that with, with which they were bestowed by the Celestials. Yeah, so it kind of, it makes sense that they would be jealous or I guess envious, I don't know which it is, of the Eternals and it's like they are like the deviants live a long time and they uh, can't really blend in with people. Like they've been in hiding in caves and sewers and stuff like that. Uh some even going uh, as some even able to like blend in as gargoyles at certain points. Like, we get, like, a scene where someone is, like, posing next to gargoyles and someone walks by thinking that it's just a gargoyle and, like, calls it ugly and it's like, oof, that, that's gotta hurt. Yeah, I did feel kind of bad for the Deviants at some points, but at the same time, I wasn't sure how much I bought just how like, jealous they were. Well, I mean, you gotta remember, they've been hiding for a really long time, and it's not until the Eternals revealed themselves that they decided, you know what, we're gonna reveal ourselves. And that's why you get, like, that 
fight uh, at the aquarium between the two different factions. Oh yeah, I gotta tell you, that fight at the aquarium had me nervous. Because, <laughs> like, I was worried that they were going to break the glass and, like, the fish and whatnot would, like, fall. Same here. Like, I was glad when they, like, took the fight outside of the aquarium and, like, out into the street. And it ended up in a fountain, which I don't know if that's supposed to symbolize anything, but... Yeah, no, I think the fountain was just there. It probably doesn't mean anything. Yeah, and it was kind of weird when we saw one of the deviants, like, rob a fruit stand. Like, they took a lemon and just, like, ate it whole, like, with the peel still on it. Yeah. Speaking of which, if you want to read something cool, get Lemon Zoom Like Rain, a fantasy horror comedy novel on Amazon. Marvel at stevenshinder.com <laughs> Nice. Nice. That that was very slick. Like, actually? No, it wasn't. Well, at least it wasn't a slip, like when the deviant slipped on that banana peel that someone left in the street. Yeah, that banana peel was very random. Like, it, it felt like a downgrade in the comedy, if I'm being honest. Like, this is kind of a weird movie where it's kind of trying to take itself a bit more seriously than some of the other more comedic Marvel movies. But there are instances here and there where they insert something that seems like it's supposed to be comedic and it just falls kind of flat. Yeah, I'm in agreement there. The tone is kind of consistent, or, sorry, the tone is kind of inconsistent at times. Right, but I do really appreciate that. We got that scene where Thena later on, like, confronts one of the deviants and is like, we didn't ask to look this good and to be as powerful as we are. If we could level the playing field, we would. Right, and then the Deviant is like, the only way to level the playing field is by eliminating the Eternals completely. Right, so we still get, like, fighting between the factions. You know, there are a lot of beams, lots of levitating. They even end up, like, in Central America and fight amidst some pyramids there, like some step pyramids, and it's... You, you don't see that a lot in, like, superhero movies, though. It was, like, it was an interesting spectacle. Yeah, but there wasn't, like, as much destruction, because, you know, I get the vibe that they were trying not to, um, like, trying not to disrespect any cultures. So it was like they were fighting each other just near those types of settings and not, like, trying to damage anything. Yeah, I, I think it was handled tastefully. Like it could have been could have been handled in a very like super disrespectful way, but I think they walked a fine line. Yeah, and then we get that chase in the jungle where you know, we see all kinds of animals and it's like the deep <laughs> I, I was I was kind of surprised how like, the deviants were scared of the jungle cats. Uh, but I mean, 
you just, you know, given how powerful they are. Yeah, but, I mean, I guess you can't underestimate nature, right? Yeah, true. And I also gotta say, throughout this movie, we get some really good choreography with the sword fighting. Like, Kingo was on point, and, you, you know, uh, Dane Whitman, like, he, he's deserving of that Black Knight title, I think. Yeah, and so, like, there's some blood that is spilled, but even after all that, like, it's... Okay, so I feel like this movie is very repetitive in how it's, like, fight after fight after fight, but eventually uh, Ajax is trying to communicate with the Celestials because, like, they, they come over and, like, speak with her, and she's like, is there no way to make us all equals? And, like, she is told, like, how they can do it. And it's, like, eventually they come to this resolution where, like, the Eternals decide to, like, drain some of their own energy so that they are a bit less powerful and, like, somewhat less good-looking. And they're able to transfer that to the Deviants so that the Deviants get better looking by human standards and so it kind of levels out so that like the Eternals and the Deviants look average give or take yeah like some look average some look um like it's kind of weird like commenting on people's looks so but like you, you do see some traces of like how the Deviants used to look like and you even get a little bit of that to look in the Eternals now, so it's like now, I guess going forward, like in a sequel, they have to make sure the Eternals look like this from now on. Yeah, it was kind of a weird way to resolve the movie, but it was also kind of beautiful in a way, like it reminded me of the Dark Crystal. Oh, with like the Skeksis and the uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, I can kind of see that, but I feel like the Dark Crystal handled it more beautifully. Oh, like, I don't know, like that, the ending of that movie gives, like that movie gives me chills, but I feel like Eternals didn't quite have the same impact for me. Yeah, I mean, I'm of the same opinion, but it, it's like not a bad movie. Like I did appreciate how there was like a lot of representation in this movie. Oh yeah, like, by and large, we did a pretty good job on that department. Like, the actors were great, and I, I mean, they were convincing in the lines that they delivered, and it did feel like the Eternals all knew each other. But I just wish that there was, they had a more interesting dynamic with each other, I guess. Because it's like, with other teams, you know who's a buddy with whom, but everyone's just like, you know, just whatever, like kind of the same, kind of boring. Um, you, you get me? Yeah, the the dynamics could use a bit more fleshing out. It's like, it, it's like if you don't watch the movie, if you just hear about it, it'd be easy to like, not know which character is which, and it's like, but I do feel like there are some moments where they do exhibit some personality because Kingo is a huge diehard fan, and so he, like, during one of the fights, he even says, Yippee Kaye, 
And, you know, he actually says the F-bomb. Like, I think this is the first MCU movie that drops an F-bomb. Oh, yeah. I remember hearing people gasp in the theater that they did that. Because we've heard it in other movies, like the X-Men movies. But those, of course, weren't by Marvel Studios. So it was a surprise to everyone that they allowed that in this. Yeah, and it does give me a bit more hope that they'll get more experimental with the MCU films and not be so confined with, you know, the overall tone and format that they usually do. Because, you know, people have talked about having Marvel fatigue, and what they mean is that, like, everything starts to feel like the same movie, like, same tone, and they can't really branch out and take more risks. So that's something I'm hoping with future movies, like Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Like, I want that to be absolutely bonkers and just out there. Like, the first Doctor Strange movie had, like, some out-there stuff, but it felt like the effects were burdensome after the first viewing and kind of not as fun to watch. Whereas I hope that the sequel to that really leans into a a bit more of the horror elements, even if they've said it's not going to be, like, full-on horror. Well, I guess you would find out sooner than I would. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, true. You know, I actually do think that Sprite had the most personality in the movie, which I guess is to be expected, seeing that, you you know, it's a youthful character, like, more kid-like, I guess. Yeah, like when they were stopping that random criminal from robbing a vending machine, like trying to get soda, like Sprite showed up and was like, are you looking for Sprite? And just like kicked his butt. (laughs) And then like it levitated the dude and created an illusion of like a, of a giant squid to like scare him. And then when it was all done, Sprite was like, I sure as hell ain't Mountain Dew, and I thought that was super hilarious. Yeah, but again, another instance where it feels like cross-marketing. Like, we even got that scene later where they're all at a restaurant and Sprite is quite clearly drinking a can of Sprite, and it's like, sometimes product placement can get in the way. I think for the most part, it's fine in this movie, but every now and then there's, like, one of those moments of, like, oh, okay, I get it, move on. (laughs) Yeah, but, I mean, it works. Like, in the theater, it made me want to buy a Sprite, but I couldn't because, like, I didn't want to miss anything. But I bought one, like, right after we left. Yeah, I, I can attest to that. I witnessed that. It was really weird seeing a movie with you in the theater, to be honest. Like, people probably thought we were, like, twin brothers or something. Yeah. It's really weird. But anyway, we do get um the credits. And I really liked how the credits for this movie showed the concept art. Like, I've seen How to Train Your Dragon 2 do this. Um, I can't remember if I've seen other movies do this as well, but... I thought that was a really great creative choice for them to do that. And like seeing the illustrations that the concept artists do was just amazing. 
Yeah, and yeah, if they also do that in Mandalorian in the end credits. Oh yeah, yeah, I knew I was forgetting something. Yeah, and like the music was like top notch. I, I mean, Ramin Javadi did a stellar job. Yeah, he he actually did the music for the first Iron Man movie. So to have him come back twelve years later is just wild but i think he really knocked it out of the park here we had like those memorable themes like like i think marvel has had a problem where the music isn't that memorable unless it's like guardians of the galaxy where they just get like popular songs that are on the radio but like the score itself has been kind of lacking in some of the movies like we do remember the avengers theme but some of the other themes kind of get lost in the shuffle. Yeah, I, I think, I agree. I think Eternals finally broke that curse, you know? Like, we've only seen this movie once, but I'm sure I'm going to remember, like, those themes. Like, the... I mean, there's just, like, some crazy, like, creative choices in this, and I, I really dug them in terms of music. Yeah, and, and yeah, that particular theme happens uh, during the the tragedy that makes the Eternals come out of hiding in the first place, which we kind of glossed over. Uh, it, it was when, like, this volcano erupted unexpectedly, which... You know, even given, like, science and whatnot, you would think people would know, but, like, it erupted prematurely, and they decide to, like, come out and, like, save a town. Like, they weren't able to save everyone, but they tried to do as much as they could. Yeah, it was, like, in a fictional town. Um, I can't remember what it was called, and I'm not sure if it's, like, from Marvel Comics or if it was made specifically for the movie. Yeah. But um, it was cool when they had that moment where the people they saved were like, you have saved our lives. We're eternally grateful. <laughs> yeah, it, it was like that scene in Toy Story 2 and I guess 3. And, you know, because it's all Disney. It's like, yeah, they, they would do that. Yeah, yeah. Definitely eternally grateful that I was able to see this movie in your universe. Wow. I couldn't not facepalm at that. This is so weird. Anyway, <laughs> um, I guess we can go into the post-credit scene. Yeah, the post-credit scene was actually a letdown. I don't think that's a controversial opinion. I remember hearing... All the people in the theater being like, what? Come on. Yeah, yeah, they did. And, um, yeah, cause the post credit scene, like at the very, very end, um, was basically just Icarus's former coworker from Domino's, like knocking on their door and like they answer and he's like, pizza time. And, you know, it would have been better if they had Toby McGuire do that. But instead, it's it's just Michael Sarah, and it's like, what is Michael Sarah doing in this movie? That I don't think he's a bad actor, but it's like, 
was was the point of putting him in that post credit scene? Like it's and saying that popular line from Spider Man Two. Yeah, it was more of a WTF moment. Like I don't know, maybe they figure that there's no way they can one up that some of the post credit scenes of the past, so they're just kind of doing whatever now. Yeah, maybe the post credit scenes from now on will just be random celebrity cameos. I mean, I mean, if done right, that can be fun. But I don't know. Maybe it's because like this is like the our first instance of it, at least as far as I can remember, but it felt very underwhelming to me. I was personally expecting a tease of, like, the next Eternals movie. Right, right, because even though the next MCU movie is Shang-Chi, it's, like, I'm not sure that they could have connected Eternals to that with a post credit scene, but then again, I'm not very familiar with Shang-Chi, so I could be wrong. But anyway, I guess we can go into final thoughts and score out of 10 for Eternals. So what are your thoughts, Steven? So going into this particular movie, I was not sure what to expect. I guess with some Marvel movies, you kind of have an idea, you know, the whole jokey thing. But this felt kind of different. And so it was a bit of a surprise. I did think the characters and their powers were like really cool. And when, when Icarus overcomes that fear of teleportation, like, and does so in order to, like, in order to, like, get the upper hand in, like, the final fight, it felt like you could see the agony when he was, when he made it to the other side. It kind of reminded me of, um, Twin Peaks, The Missing Pieces, you know, the scene where David Bowie's character Phil Jeffries teleports and it seems like it was painful for him to teleport. Oh yeah, like that scene, it's, it's such a weird interse, it's like a perfect intersection between horror and humor because it's like his reaction, like his screaming sounds horrifying, but like, the things that, like, the people who see him appear say are just, like, ridiculously hilarious. It's it's weird. It's, like, the perfect balance between horror and humor. Yeah, it definitely had those vibes going for it. But, um, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like I definitely enjoyed Black Widow a little bit more than this one. Um... So I'll just give it uh, an infinity out of 10, but you turn that infinity so that it's no longer sideways, so it's an 8 out of 10. (laughs) (laughs) What, so like 8 out of 10 infinity gauntlets? Yeah, sure, whatever. All right, um... Yeah, unsurprisingly, I'm in agreement with you. Like, it's an 8 out of 10 for me as well. Like, there were some great moments, but, like, when I think back to the movie, it's like, I kind of feel like they could have added a bit more to the characters so that, like, when I think back to them, I don't, like, like, I'm able to, like, distinguish, like, oh, this character has this personality and 
and so forth. But by that same token, I do think they did a good job uh, giving them each their own thing, even if sometimes, like, it didn't always stick for me. And, you know, this movie had a diverse cast and, like, great performances. Uh, it's just that, like, the main conflict against the Deviants, I guess, was kind of weak. Like, more could have been done with it. But I did like that we did get some of that cosmic stuff. Like, we got some really trippy visuals of, like, the stars and, like, rainbows in space and, like, supernovas and stuff like that when um, when Ajax is, like, communicating and trying to, like, traverse the universe with her mind trying to look for the celestials i thought that was really cool but yeah like for me eight out of ten like a sequel could definitely do better but i think this was a nice little foundation and it does kind of make me want to learn more about the eternals but it doesn't quite make me want to like invest in like reading any of their series like right away like it, if I ever had like a subscription to like Marvel Unlimited or something like that then maybe but there are like other things I'd jump to right away in terms of reading yeah I get you all right so um thanks for joining me on this episode Stephen um do I even need to ask you for plugs like I'm Gonna be plugging my stuff anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess this podcast goes in both of our universes. Uh, so, you know, because scientific anomaly reasons, I guess. But, um, I mean, over on my side, I'm also doing Star Trek culture, which you know, Star Trek podcast with Liana Ahmed. Um, it's also available in video form over on the Culture Slate YouTube channel. Video goes up every Friday. And you can also find the audio version on Apple and channel 1138.com slash Star Trek culture. Uh, and, I mean, we already plugged Lemons with Mike Rain earlier in the episode. Yeah, we did. Um, and, um... You can also follow me at Stephen Schinder Storytelling on Facebook, at Stephen Schinder on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I think that's everything. Yeah, and um, so yeah, for me, basically everything he just said, but also um, I, uh, but also you can find delayed replay um, at channel 1138.com slash delayed replay and you can find all the other links there to like uh, other podcatchers and social media and if you want to email the podcast you can email delayed replay podcast at gmail.com yeah I mean I've tried emailing you before and you've been forgetful because of those evil worms that were in your head, but hopefully things are better, right? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I should be better, but... <laughs> Steven, what's wrong?
I think they're back. No, no, Steven. Steven, you have to hold on to yourself. Hold on to your personality. Don't let them take over. Steven will be ours. No, no, get out. Steven, you have to keep yourself together. Now we will break him. <laughs> we are eternal. No! Steven, you have to remember. Remember all the people who have guested on the podcast. All those good memories will help you. Think about them. Ugh, I'm trying to, but they're blocking my memories. Don't worry. I've listened to every episode. Uh, I'll try to do impressions of them. Um, Gosh darn it, Stephen. <laughs> Re-racer! What is this? And I will always defend the B-movie. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna get roasted. Martians! I'm kidding. Oh, speed! Speed! How could you forget speed? <laughs> why, Stephen? Why? John Wick, what the, the, the... Dude, you wrote a book? What the heck? What's it called again? That's terrible. I hate everything you just described. Because any time they say my number two, I'm like... <laughs> it was beautifully cinematographed. We fooled you! We gotcha! We gotcha! You get Buzz Lightyear with a proton pack? I think that sounds amazing. I will cop to writing Morbius fanfiction back in high school. We do not have good barbecue over here in New Jersey. <laughs> He's like, purple's not my color, I died! There's a lot of really bad ones. Objectively, I know it's worse, but I like it better. It's delayed replay. There has to be a delay. <laughs> Get your sh together and go f shit up. I remember. I remember all the voices of my wonderful guests on delayed replay. And you, evil can of worms, are not any of them. I reject you! <laughs> no! Oh, that was weird. They just flew out of your head and into some portal and then disappeared. Yeah. <sighs> I'm not sure of that means we've seen the last of them, but I feel myself now. 
Uh, so my impressions helped. Yeah, but your impressions were also terrible. Well, I, I mean, I at least got the words right. I figured that would be enough for you to remember them and how they said it. Yeah, fair point. Uh, well, I think I'm going to be fine now. Man, this has been such a weird birthday. Oh, I know. I mean, we're 26. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, and this is movie episode 26. That's, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's as many letters of the alphabet or as many seasons of classic Doctor Who. It's weird. Yeah, but anyway, um, well, I take it that since you're feeling well, you have plans this weekend? Yeah, I might. I might follow through with them. Um, I guess now that it's safe. Also thankful for my dog Elias here. Yeah, and just to be clear to the listeners, I haven't been here the entire... I haven't been here this whole past week since... Halloween, or past several days since Halloween, I've I've been coming to and from my universe to like feed my dog. But anyway, um, this has been quite a trip, Stephen. So what's next for the podcast? Well, you know, I think this is a good place to like take a break. You know, just like a little bit of a hiatus, maybe put something out during the winter holiday season before doing like a new season in 2021. Yeah. I mean, if you keep doing that, like me and the people in my world would be grateful, like hearing your podcast so that, you, you know, even if the way you describe the movies that, haven't come out yet in our world ends up being different from what we end up seeing. Delayed replay is a nice way to hold us over for the time being. It's a nice little form of escapism. Well, I'm glad that I could help. Well, I guess with everything said and done, it's time to say the thing that's always said at the end of these episodes. Is it alright if I give it a shot this time? <laughs> Be my guest. I already was. <laughs> oh boy. Alright, get on with it then. Alright, without further delay, have a good day. <laughs>